This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Okay, tonight's learning should be dedicated to Lilanishmas Moshe Lazer and Avram Yitzchak. We started a minute here a few years ago. Halavai, we, we wouldn't have to keep this minute, but we've been learning before Tishabov some of the Gemaras in Mesechus Gitin that talk about the Chorban, that talk about the tragedy, casualties, to put us in the mindset to get us ready to prepare us for, uh, for Tishabov, put us in the right mindset, maybe this year, to give us other things to learn yeah, on Shabbos or maybe even on Tishabov things that are permissible to be learned over Tishabov, And we're going to pick up where we left off last year. So if, if anyone has a Gemara uh, Gitin in front of them, we're holding over here um, on Nunvav Amid Beis. Just to remind everyone from where we left off last year, a very quick recap. We were talking last time we learned, we were discussing what was going on during Bayesheni. And the uniqueness of what was going on during Bayesheni was that there was a lot of internal politics between the Jewish people, between the Jewish groups, of how to deal with the Romans. Should we, should we fight back? Should we take it sitting? What should we do? How should we do it? And that itself was a terrible tragedy, <clears throat> all of the interpersonal fighting between the two, the two Jewish groups. And the way we left off last time, we were discussing Abiyechim ben Zakkai. Abiyechim ben Zakkai <clears throat> was one of the great leaders at the time of the Chorbin as well as post the Chorbin. Yerich HaMetzakeh lived for 120 years. The first 40 years of his life, he, he worked. He had some form of a job. The second 40 years of his life, he went to yeshiva to learn. And the last 40 years of his life, he was a Rebbe. He was a master Rebbe. He would go all over the country teaching Torah. He was an uh, unbelievable Marbitz Torah. And Yerich HaMetzakeh was trapped in Yerushalayim because the troublemakers wanted so desperately to go to war against the Romans that they basically led Yerushalayim to be stuck in the siege, Yerushalayim from the inside even. And Yerushalayim Mezake wanted to get out to speak to Vespasian. He wanted to talk to him and explain to him the Jewish side of things. So Yerushalayim Mezake faked his own death. Yerushalayim Mezake faked his death. First he had a meeting with his nephew. His nephew was Abba Sikra. Abba Sikra was one of the group of, was part of the group of those people who wanted to continue fighting the Romans <coughs> at all cost. And even meeting with Rabbi Yechel Menzakai was dangerous for his nephew. But they came up with this lavish idea that Rabbi Yechel is going to fake his death. And that way he's going to sneak out of the city. And when he sneaks out of the city, he's going to go speak to Vespasian, explain to Vespasian what the Jewish people are doing. So the Gemara tells us that Rabbi Yechel Menzakai got to the border and he told it, and he was dead. So his students that were accompanying his, his, his supposed coffin told the guards, we're going to bury him. They were skeptical. They wanted to put swords through the coffin to make sure he was really dead, which would have ruined his entire plan. The Gemara says they didn't end up doing it. And Yerich HaMezakeh was able to get to freedom. He was able to leave Yerushalayim. He went to speak to Vespasian. And he told Vespasian, you're going to be the king. And we all know the story. Vespasian was so impressed with Yerich HaMezakeh. He gave him wishes. And he told him, I'll give you certain things. And Yerich HaMezakeh asked him for three things. One of the things that Yerich HaMezakeh asked him for 
was please leave Yavne Bechachomeho. Please leave a city untouched, unaffected, where the Chachomim can study Torah throughout the Chorban. Which is an amazing idea in Jewish history that no matter what is going on, you know, all the trials and tribulations, we should have one spot where there can be people still learning Torah, which is something we've spoken about many times in the past. That there, there will always be a part of Klai Yisrael that will survive. There'll never be a time where all of Klai Yisrael is eradicated, where all of Klai Yisrael is destroyed. There'll always be a part somewhere that will be surviving. We know the famous story with the Chavetz Chaim. They came to the Chavetz Chaim in the early 1930s, way before Hitler was in power in Germany. And they asked the Chavetz Chaim, where's going to be the next place? So he said, don't worry. Yaakov Avinu told us that even if one camp gets attacked, there'll always be another camp that survives. So he said, Chavetz Chaim, where's the other camp going to be? Where? So everyone likes to answer that, he, that the Chavetz Chaim said America. But the Chavetz Chaim did not answer America. The Chavetz Chaim answered, it's going to be in Eretz Yisrael. Baruch Hashem, today maybe we have two places where Klai Yisrael rebuilt after the Chorban. But there's always going to be places. And that's why Abiyachim ben Zakei asked for Yavne v'chachomer. He also asked <coughs> for doctors to cure Reb Tzadik who was fasting for long, for long periods of time. And he also asked for the family of Reb Gamliel not to be harmed. And then we spoke about this last year. I'll just mention it again. The Gemara points out why did Nebi Yechelem ask for bigger? Why did Nebi Yechelem ask that Yerushalayim be speared? That Chor Mesimigdor shouldn't happen? So the Gemara tells us an amazing Pasuk, which really, really needs to be reminded of throughout Tishabah. Quotes a Pasuk in Yeshaya, Meishib Chachomim Ochur, Bedaitom Yiskel. The Gemara tells us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives a blockage. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives bad advice for the tzaddikim in order that they should give us bad advice. Meaning, the way you read the Gemara Kibshutai was that Kodesh Baruch Hu blocked that idea for the Yechel Menzakai because Kodesh Baruch Hu wanted the Yechel Menzakai not to do that. And the Marsha explains the reason for that is because Kodesh Baruch Hu sometimes wants or, or the people are not deservant of good advice. The people aren't deservant of a certain outcome. So Kodesh Baruch Hu has to block the vision the advice of the tzaddikim in order to not give the people good advice. Rabbi Salvechik said once, when people asked him why was it that during the Holocaust, at least in the early stages of the Holocaust, why wasn't why didn't more people run away? Why did more people flee? Why did more people try to get visas? Even if they could, it wasn't so easy to get. But why wasn't there more people who pushed to leave Europe? And Rabbi Salvechik answered this this pasuk in Yeshaya, Meishiv Chachamim Olav Vedaitam Yiskel. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu B'davka wanted the tzaddikim, the gedolim of that time, to give bad advice, maybe, and tell them, no, don't go to Europe, don't leave Europe, stay here in America. Now, again, without getting into all the historical backgrounds, uh, no one in the wildest dreams could have imagined what would have happened in Europe, let alone come from a place like Germany. But that was Rabbi Salvechik's answer. His answer was this pasuk. Now, the truth is, the Gemara actually continues and says Rabbi Yechem Mezaki wasn't so foolish. The Gemara says Rebbe Yechel had a plan. What was his plan? Rebbe Yechel figured if I ask them for that, they'll never give it to me. If I ask, if I ask uh, Vespasian not to destroy Yerushalayim, it's, it's asking too much. We have a rule to fast them, but like to fast them. You grab too much, you don't grab anything. So Rebbe Yechel figured that sh- that's overshooting. If I shoot for something smaller, perhaps I have a chance for it to succeed. But that's where we left off last year when we were talking. If you want to listen to other, we had I think two other shiurim about this it's labeled on Yu Torah, it's labeled um, Chorben through the eyes of Chazal. 
So if you want to take a look to previous years, that's where we discussed it. But we're, st- we're going to start now on Nun Vav Amid Beis, where the Gemara is right before the lines get wide. These are pretty big blots of Gemara. So right before the Gemara gets wide, the Gemara starts off, the Gemara tells us that um, who took over Vespasian? Vespasian just got an email that he's now going to become Emperor of Rome. He's no longer going to be a general who's stuck fighting with the Jews in Israel. He has now been elevated to becoming a, a emperor in Rome. So he catches the first uh, flight back to Rome. But who takes him over? So the Gemara tells us that um, they sent someone in his replacement. So the Gemara says, Mamish, the second, second line before it gets wide. Says the Gemara, Ozil Shadre Latitus. They sent Titus to be in Vespasian's spot. Now, who was Titus? So Titus was either a son of Vespasian, or he was a stepson of Vespasian. He might have been Vespasian's biological son, or his wife's son, his stepson. The Ben Yoda writes that the name Titus, the letters of the name spell the word tit, which is t- dirty and, and, and gross. So you already get a sense of who Titus was. And the Gemara tells us, Omar and Titus said, Where is that God? Where is that God, that rock of the Jewish people? Where is that God? Says the Gemara, Titus of Russia. This is referring to Titus. One of the flaws of Titus was he was terribly, terribly blasphemy in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch He spoke so disrespectful with such a chutzpah about HaKadosh Baruch Hu and even to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says the Gemara, what did Titus do so terribly wrong? Ma'oso, tofa zoyna biyodoy. He grabbed the zoyna, the nichnas lebeis kodshe HaKadoshim, and he went into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the holiest spot in the holiest building in the holiest place. Ve'etziah sefer Torah. And he took out a sefer Torah, ve'ovar aleho avera. And he did an Avera. He lived with that, with that Zoyno in the Kodesh HaKadoshim on the Sefer Torah. That's like double, double whammy. He went into the holiest place, took the holiest object, and he did such a vile, such a terrible, disgusting sin of having relations with the Zoyno. In one of the Kinnis we talk about, and uh, hopefully we won't have to talk about it, but if sadly Mashiach doesn't come between now and Sunday, uh, we talk about how can it be that Titus Harasha goes into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the holiest of the holy, lives with the Zayna, nothing happens to him. Yet not the Vaviyu go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim with pure intentions, they want to bring Karbanas, they want to get closer to Hashem, and boom, they got uh, they get shot down right away. It seems unjust, it seems unfair. So that's one of the things we talk about in the Kinnis, the, the, the um, apparent, I don't know, contradiction, but the contrast to what Titus did in the Lafnai Lafnim, Versus what Nadav Aviu did and the very differences in their punishment. But the Gemara tells us it, gets, it goes longer. The Natal Saif, he then took a sword, the Gidu Esapareiches, and he pierced the Pareiches. The Pareiches which separated between the Kedesh Akadoshim. The Nasanes. And lo and behold, a miracle happened. And blood started pouring out from, from the, the Pareiches. And Tito stood, Tito stood that he killed Hashem. Because since the blood was pouring out, he thought he actually killed Hashem. So the Gemara says, So Taisus has a cash over here. 
This is really a general question. Why did Hashem do this? Why did Hashem make the Parechas bleed? Why did Hashem give Titus that satisfaction, that misunderstanding, that he really did harm to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So Taisvis learns, This is a very, very important theme. As you go through Tishabov and you go through the Kinnis, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to show the Jewish people, I'm also mourning over the Beis HaMikdash. I'm also feeling it. I'm also bleeding Kaviyach. I'm also in pain over the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. And that's why HaKadosh Baruch Hu allowed Titus and played along with Titus. And the problem is Titus took the message the wrong way. Titus said, oh, it must be that I, I defeated Hashem. While yet, according to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the message is supposed to be on the contrary, that I am in pain with the Jewish people. Shanemar says in the Pasuk, Who is the power of Hashem? How strong is Hashem that he can go through this? Hashem allowed Titus to play this game, the charade, to think that he defeated Hashem and not say a word. That's Hashem's gevura. The Bay Rabbi Shmuel Latana and the Bay Smerish Rabbi Shmuel they learned a little different. Micha Moicha Ba'elam Hashem. We say every single day in the davening. Micha Moicha Ba'elam Hashem. Who is strong? Ba'elam Hashem says the Gemara. Micha Moicha Ba'almin. Who is strong like Hashem? Who's silent? The Lashon Elam, someone who can't talk, which itself is an amazing message over here. That the greatest strength in life is silence. So many times we want to say something, we want to express a feeling, usually negative. We want to share, we want to gossip, we want to speak ill. The greatest givur, the greatest, the greatest power is, comes from our silence. Silence is, is power. If a person can be silent, it's not easy. So the Gemara is, is praising Baruch Hu, that he was able to stay silent. Although Titus is doing such terrible, such uh, over-the-top behavior, and yet HaKadosh Baruch Hu is silent through it all. Now the truth is that's a theme that we'll see Blinedu and the Kindness also that we talk about how Hashem had to over like over control himself to allow the Chorban to happen because Hashem is so merciful and he had to like hold back so much to allow the Chorban to take place it was almost like Hashem had to go against his nature his nature of giving and loving to us to allow the Chorban to happen but the Gemara says it goes further Ma also what did he do next not less a Pareiches he ripped down the Pareiches he made into a basket. And he went around gathering all the kalim and the And he put them in his makeshift basket. And he put them on his boat. He wanted to now go back to Rome and uh, get praised for what he did in Rome. So the Marsha asks, I believe, I think it's the Marsha. Uh, again, in, in Mepharshim on these sugyas, it's basically going to be the Barsha, the Ben Yoda, and the Ein Yankiv. Those are the three major commentaries. Now, there are other Svarim that are written, but those are really the three major, and the Maral. Those are probably the four major commentaries who discuss these Gemaras, Be'ikr. So, if I say Abshad, it's probably from one of those four, if I don't remember always who said it. So, the Avakasha, why did he have to take the Pareiches? Let him just take a basket. The point was the Kalim, not the Pareiches. So, the Mepharshim answer... That he took the Pareiches because the Pareiches was his banner. was his sign of I defeated Hashem. So he wasn't taking, he wasn't leaving the Pareiches back. The Pareiches was his, was his flag of I defeated Hashem. So that's why he was so proud to take the Pareiches with him, to bring it back to Rome, to get praised from his friends, to get praised from his peers, 
over what he did to the Beis HaMikdosh. Shenemar says the Pasuk in Kehelas, Uvechein reisi reshoyim, I saw evil people, kivurim, burying, uba'u umimokim kodesh ya'alechu, and they came from a holy place, the yishtakhu bi'ir, and they were forgotten in the city, asherkein asu, altikri kivurim, el kivutsim, don't read it to be buried, but rather read it to gather, meaning that, that Titus gathered the, 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 the kelim of the Beis HaMikdosh. Um, Al-Turki Kivutsim, El-Tikri Vayishtakhu, I'm sorry, Al-Turki Kivurim, El-Kivutsim, Al-Turki Vayishtakhu, El-Vayishtabhu, that he's going to be praised when he comes back. Ikadami, the Gemara is another pshat, Kivurim Mamish, it means buried. Da'afilu mili dimitamrin, even those things that were hidden in the base of Migdosh, Igal Yelohoyim, it somehow was revealed to him. When I read this Gemara, I'm reminded of what the Nazis used to do that they would never let the Jews hide anything. If a Jew was found hiding anything somewhere on his body, in his clothing, they found everything. They wouldn't let anything go. Everything had to be taken. Everything had to be confiscated. Everything had to be taken away from them. Even if you hit something, even teeth, and, and things like that, that were and the most private things, the Nazis made it their business to find ways to take that away from the Jewish people also. So Titus took everything that he could find, and even those things that were hidden, he somehow found... Even the hidden things he was able to get that he took. And now he's on his boat en route to Rome to show off what he accomplished in the Beis HaMikdash. Says the Gemara, Omad Olav He met up with a terrible windstorm. The Bepharshim point out that this wasn't bad weather. This was only Titus was experiencing the bad weather. The rest of the ocean was calm, which itself is an amazing miracle. That only Titus had bad weather which is why Titus realized, or at least he thought, that this was a heavenly sign because everyone else was having good weather. And therefore only he was experiencing this abnormal wind. So Omar, he says, Ta'kadosh Baruch ma'ani, I think, I feel, He says, I think the Jewish God only has power in the water. Why? Ba'paroi tova b'mayim. Paroi, how did he get paroi? He got him in the water. Ba'sisroi tova b'yam. He got sisroi in the water. He's trying to get me also to be drowned in the water. So the Mephar should point out that uh, Titus left out a very important storyline. If Titus is trying to show where Hashem's Gevur reigns in relative to water, he left out the Mabu. We know clearly Titus studied the Old Testament because he's quoting from Psukim by Pari. So if, if Titus studied the Old Testament, he must have known the story of the Mabu. He must have known of Parshish Noyach. So why did he leave it out? So one of the answers that Mepharshim give is that the Mabul came onto the dry land. Titus was arguing that you Hashem have no, you have no sovereignty on the land. So since the Mabul was, the people were on the land, just the water came to them, that wouldn't be a good example. So Titus wanted examples of where Hashem had power only in the ocean, not anywhere in the dry land. So what happens over here? So can you imagine how he's talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? He tells God, God, I think you only have power in the water. I don't think you have any power in the ocean, in the land. And if you're all that almighty, come, let's go duke it out. Let's go battle it out on the dry land. And let's see how powerful you really are. So Tita says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Im Giberhu, if you're really all that, if you're that strong, Let's go to the dry land and have a war. Let, let's duke it out on the dry land. 
and said to Titus, Russia ben Russia, you are a Russia, the son of a Russia, ben benoi shal of a Russia, you're an anical of Esav. So first of all, what does that have to do with anything? Why is it now a good time to learn about his ichos? Why is it a time for us to discuss his background? So some of Russian point out that Esav also had a chesar in be'amunah ba'kadosh baruch hu. Esav also lacked his emunah uh, Hashem, And because Esav also lacked emunah, that's why we connect it back to Esav. But in any case, we're reflecting on his background, on his family, that he stamps from a long line of people that are uh, that have no connection to to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And Hashem tells him like this: Bear your color, Yeshli Boilomi. I have a very small creature in my world, the Yitoshma, and it's called the Yitosh. So most, uh, I think, translated to be the gnat, small little little itsy bitsy fly. So what? Says the Gemara, it's called the Yitush. Amai karle bear your color. Why is it called a small creature? It's so small that it can take food into its mouth, but it has no hole for it to go to the bathroom. That's how small it is. That it has such a small, teeny, teeny body that it can only put food in. It doesn't even have the ability to take food out. So says the Gemara, um, and that's what's going to bring you down. Allah Titus goes onto the dry land. What happened? The Yitush goes into his nose, and it pecks away at his brain for seven years. Hashem showed Titus, you think I don't have power in this world? I'll show you that the smallest creature that I have, the most insignificant creature, will wreak havoc on your life, will make your life miserable. Flew through his nose and it's continued to pound away at his brain for seven years. Why exactly did Akash want to show it this way? Because Hashem wanted to show him that look what I can cause. Look at the craziness I can make your life with a very, very small thing. You know, it's an amazing thing how the powers of Akash Baruch what he needs to do. Hashem can send a virus, which today we look at and say it's a common cold, but two years ago that virus was killing hundreds of thousands of people all over the world. A virus. Innocent virus. Which today, Baruch Hashem, we call it a cold and we move on. But two years ago that virus was able to wreak havoc in the world. This yitush, this little, little itsy-butsy bug that we fly, shoo away with our hands, ultimately was able to bring down his entire life, cause him terrible pain. This was the, the Musa Shmuz Hashem was giving back to him that you think... I don't have power look and see the type of power that I ultimately have so the Gemara tells us it went through his nose and it pecked away at his brain for seven years there's a whole discussion over here I can't say I totally understand what they mean but why exactly through the nose what's the connection between the nose and the brain it might have to do with speech and one of obviously Titus's downfalls was the way he spoke to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, where he spoke about Hashem, and perhaps that's what caused him all of these types of uh, issues and problems um, with this specific bug. So what happened? One day, one day, Titus was walking past a blacksmith. 
he heard the banging of the metal. Ishtik. It got the Yiddish to stop talking. The noise somehow quieted the sound, the, the pecking of the Yiddish. Amar, he said, Ikatakanta. So Tita said, ah, I got a way to beat God. I will have someone sit by me all day long, banging, banging the hammer, and I won't feel the pecking of the bug. So call every single day he'd bring a carpenter, and he'd stand and put him in front of him. It would be his background music. He'd have him pounding, pounding, and pounding, and that would uh, deafen the yitush, and that would give him some form of comfort. Says the Gemara, For a non-Jew, he paid him for Zeus. The Israel, but for a Jew, Amrila, he said to him, He says to a Jew, uh, I'm sorry, Arba Zuzay, where to go? Lenochi Yovli Arba Arba Zuzay Yisrael. I'm related to a Jew. He told him, "Mistayech the kachazis b'sanecha." You're lucky that you get to watch me be in pain. You're not getting a dime. Again, very typical. We saw the Nazis. They put Jews to work. No compensation. No payment. No 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 back pay for all their work. So the Gemara tells us, "I toss in Yomim for thirty days. Avad worked. We can ve'elech kibun dosh dosh." After 30 days, it stopped working because, like everything else, he got used to it. And then Yitush got used to the noise. The noise no longer gave him any comfort and no longer gave him. So, to me, I look at Titus and I say, Titus died with the most massive migraine you can imagine. Anyone who suffers from migraine knows it's a terrible, horrific uncomfortability. It really makes life very complicated, it makes life very difficult. It makes regular activities and chores a terrible burden. And that was what he, that's what Titus lived with for seven days. He was alive, and he had to live with that terrible, terrible pain before Motrin and Advil and Tylenol and painkillers. He lived with this terrible pecking at his brain. Again, the only thing I can compare it to is a horrific migraine. And if anyone has migraines or knows the people that have migraines, you understand that it's a, it's a terrible pain. You don't wish it upon your worst enemy. And I, I imagine in my head that that's similar perhaps to what Titus had to go through. Mar tells us that when Titus died, I was among the great Romans, the great people in Rome, and when he died, they cracked open Titus' head. And they actually found in there like the size of a bird, that weighed the size of two slime. Two slime, I wrote it down over here, uh, are approximately... A half a, a cell has a half an ounce, so these birds were were quite heavy. I mean, there was a thickness in his brain. Even though we said he started off with this little bug, by the time he died, there was some massive growth or massive entity that was in his brain. Says the Gemara, weighed too It was like a dove, ben shana, like a year old mishkal litrin. That was the size of two liter. Um, Rabbi Naktinan Piv Shon Chayshes had a mouth of gold, Utsparnev Shal Barzal, and wings of iron. Okay, now the Gemara gets even more interesting. Kavik Kameis when Titus died, Amalhu LeKilu Lahu Gavra Ulebadre LeKitma Ashav Yomei. He said, I want you to take my body and I want you to uh, cremate it and spread it out on the seven seas. The Shtakche Elohod Yudoi VeLuk MeVedina. So the Jewish God should never find me and bring me to judgment. Amazing. How to the end of his life he was so convinced that he could hide and run away from God. 
we all know and, and ultimately Titus found out the hard way that you can't run away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. there is no way to run away there is no hiding from the Yemadin the Ben Yodah points out that the Yitush we said earlier the Yitush has no uh, there's no way out of the Yitush you go into the Yitush and you can't come out so the Ben Yodah says this is very apropos for Titus because as we'll learn hopefully later tonight in the Gemara if not it comes up uh, over Tishabov that one of the most horrific people in the Tishabov story is actually during Bayis Rishon was Nevuzradam. Nevuzradam was known as the butcher, the butcher Nevuzradam. He butchered millions and millions of Jews. The Gemara depicts it, the Kinnis depicts it, how he did it so violently, how he would throw babies against rocks, how he'd murder thousands of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people. And yet at the end of everything, Nevuzradam did tshuva. Nevuzradam did tshuva. But Titus did not do tshuva. So the Ben Yadah says the Yitush was the, was the, was the Musr. Why? Because the Yitush, you go in, you don't come out. There's no, there's no hole for excrement. So therefore, the Yitush was the right punishment for Titus who never did tshuva. Titus, till the end, and we'll see even after he died, he still sticks to his guns. He's still such a mecharef or megadef. He still doesn't believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As opposed to other Rishoyim, the Vizradon, who does tshuva, and others who do tshuva, Titus never did tshuva even to the end of his life. And now we'll see what he does even post his death. Says the Gemara story. Unculus bar Kloinikis bar de Titus. There was a famous person named Unculus. This is most likely, not everyone agrees, but most likely the Unculus that we know on the side of the Chumash. For those people that are Mavis Hedra, so they read his commentary every single Shabbos. The Targum Unculus. Who's Unculus? So he's the son of Klunkis, Bar Achse de Titus. He was actually the nephew of Titus. Titus' sister was Unculus' mother. So the Gemara tells us the following story. Unculus decided he wanted to be Megaya. He wanted to ask advice from his uncle, his fete Titus. The problem was Titus was dead already. So the Gemara Gemara says, no, he did a Benegida. He was able somehow to uh, speak to the dead. He was able to talk to the dead. He was again, obviously, before we Jews are not allowed to talk to the dead. That's a prohibition in the Torah. But Uncleus wasn't Jewish yet, so he was allowed to somehow get in touch with the dead and talk to the dead. And he brought back, so to say, Titus. He was able to have a conversation with good, with good old Uncle Titus. Omalai, he asked Titus, "Man by who Alma? You know, Titus, you're in the next world. Tell me, who's important in the next world? Omalai Yisrael." He says, you know who's important in the next world? The Jewish people. They're, that's, they're the ones that are chashiv. Again, in this world, we're definitely not chashiv. In this world, we do not have any major status on the world stage. In this world, we're a mamish, a tipa, tipa, shabiyam. We're a point, 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 one percent of the entire uh, world. We don't, we, I, I wouldn't say that the Jews have major chashivas in this world. But in the next world, Titus tells us that we are considered chashiv. So Unkelis asked him, So should I attach myself to these people? So now you have to remember, Titus is sitting now, this is, he's in the afterlife. Titus just told his nephew that the Jewish people are important in the next world. So his, uncle, his nephew asked him, So should I become a ger? There's too many, there's too many rules for being Jewish. You're not going to be able to keep all that. Which is not bad advice. It's probably true. There are a whole list of mitzvahs for Jews to keep. So it's a lot easier to be a guy and to keep Shemim Mitzvah B'nai'ch. Fine. So Titus tells him, don't become a Jew. But you know what? Zil igrabahu. 
Instead, don't join them, fight them. I'm giving you advice. My nephew, I'm giving you great advice. Go pick a fight with the Jewish people. And you know what? The harvest ratio, and then you will be on the top of the world. It says in the Pasuk, Anyone who causes pain to the Jewish people, they become on top of the world. Now, it's, we all know it's true. If you look at Jewish history, and you look at all the people that oppressed us, at the time when they oppressed us, they were attacked on the top of their world. The Romans, the Babylonians, when they oppressed us, they were on the top of the world. Where are they now? Now they're garnished, we're garnished. What's Rome? What's, what's Bavel? What's Germany? Remember the Nazis, they were killing Jews. At that time, they were a massive power. The Third Reich was an unbelievable, powerful army. Even throughout history, go through all different events. Whenever a country or a group attacked the Jewish people, this Gemara is very true. But the question is why? Why is Kol Ametzel Yisrael Nasserosh? Why is it that in order to defeat the Jewish people, you have to be a power? So some learn Pashup Shat because that Kaddish won't just let any Tom, Dick, and Harry defeat us. We're too important. We're too chashuf. Not any group of bandits are going to bring us down. Only the top of the top is going to bring us down. But there's another pshat that the Mepharshim say, a very beautiful pshat. They say the reason why is because whoever causes pain to the Jewish people are actually doing the Jewish people a favor. Why? Because when you cause us pain, you make us become better. When the Jewish people are suffering, we're forced to improve. We're forced to do tshuva. We're forced to get better. So therefore, if you're going to cause the Jewish people pain, you're really causing them to do tshuva. So you're causing them to be better. You have to get schar for that. So the schar that you get for causing us to be better is nasa That's why you become on top of the world because you did a good thing. Obviously, it's not a good thing, but the thing that you did us, you helped the Jewish people become better. And because you made us better, you get rewarded even for that um, activity of making the yidin better. So he asks his Uncle Titus. Uncle Titus is not much help. Uncle Titus tells him to go cause pain to the Jewish people. So they say over a vote from Reb Dessler, you know, we always think of Gehenim, that after Gehenim, you're a changed person. So you would think if Titus is in Gehenim, he must be a better cleansed person. He's clearly not a cleansed person. He tells his nephew to go attack the Jewish people. So Dessler points out, they see from over that it's not just... It's not like you know you go through it, you come out, you're a new person. He's still the same evil Titus, the same bad guy, the same Russia Marusha as he was when he started out. So he so he asks his uncle. He says, What exactly is your punishment up there? So he tells him, Top of the Zayin I get what I did to myself. Meaning, the way I went out of this world is what they do to me. Every, every day they gather me up, the daini lay, they judge me, the kolu lay, they spread me out over all the seven seas. I can't tell you, I actually know what this means, but it does not sound like a good way to experience the afterlife. But, Tita, but uh, Uncleus is not done yet. Uncleus actually <coughs> puts together a little bit of a bezdin over here to ask about the Jewish people. So the first person he goes to is Uncle Titus. The next person he goes to is also asking the Bilam Benigida. He then goes to talk to Bilam. He wants to hear Bilam's take on the Jewish people. 
Amalei, he says to Bilam, who's considered important in the next world? Amalei Yisrael, no, it's the Jewish people. They are important. So he says, should I attach myself to them? Should I become Jewish? Amalei, he says to them, don't seek out peace and good with them all of your days. Stay away from them. Just stay away from them. They're not a good people to join up with. So Amalei, Dina Dahugavra Bemai, what is his punishment? What's Bilam's punishment? Amalei, Beshichva Zerer Reiseches. He's sitting in a pile of burning semen. Why did Bilam get Zerah? Because either Bilam was a Baltaiva, as we know that he used to live with his donkey, or because Bilam caused the Jewish people to sin with the women of Midian, and therefore Bilam got, gets to sit in a pile of burning Zerah. Okay, so that's second person that Uncleus goes to get advice from. Who's the third person? And why does he go for three people? So Mephoshim actually point out that when you want to get Eitzah from someone, you should speak to three people. He bounce things off of three people. So now why do you pick these three people? What's the common denominator between Bilam, Titus, and, and, and the next person, which we'll see is Yashka. He brings up Yashka, right? Those are the three people he asks about Judaism. So at least Yashka was a, was, was a Jew. I hear him. You want to ask a Jew about Judaism. So before I should point out that all these three people all sinned in three different ways. Bilam sinned... Uh, uh, Bilam sinned... Uh, how's it go? Bilam sinned... And uh, who was the first one? We have... The first one was Titus. Titus was... Was uh, Avodah Zarah. Bilam was... Uh, no, Yashka was Avodah Zarah. Bilam was... Uh, uh, Bilam was... Uh, uh, Gilead Reyes. And Titus was Ritzich. Those three Averis, each one of those Averis destroy a part of who you are. And therefore they decided they want to speak to these three people about their outlook on Judaism. Fine. So they go to, who do they go to? The Poishe Yisrael. So if you have an old Gemara, the Gemara says they went to a Poishe Yisrael. Who's the Poishe Yisrael? The sinner of the Jewish people. So if you have, on the side of the Gemara, they tell you that this is one of the famous Gemaras that were censored. We know... That when the Gemara was written, they had to be very careful what they wrote about Yashka. Because if they write the wrong thing about Yashka, the Christians will go and kill the Jewish people. So they censored the Gemara over here. They wrote Poishe Yisrael. But really, it's Yashka. So he goes to Yashka. He asks Yashka, Man Almo, who's important in the, in the next world? Amalei Yisrael. So everyone gives the same answer. Three for three. Everyone agrees that in the next world, Yisrael is, is Chashev. So So he asks him, so should I join the Jewish people? So Amalei, he says to him, darash, He says, only do good with the Jewish people. Don't do any harm to the Jewish people. Why? Because by anyone who touches them, it's like you're sticking your finger in your eye. Everyone knows if you stick your finger in the eye, you're hurting yourself because now you can't see. You're harming yourself. Therefore, he says, stay away from the Jewish people. Don't cause them any harm. What's his punishment? What's Yashka's punishment for starting a movement that caused so much pain and anguish to the Jewish people? He's in a pile of burning manure. Anyone who argues and disrespects the rabbis, he gets judged in a pile of burning manure. Says the Gemara, you go ahead and see. Look at the difference between a Poishe Yisrael, a Yashka, who is a Jew who caused Jews to sin, versus Bilam and Titus. What's the difference? Says the Gemara. 
Because why? Look at their attitude. Look at what they say. Look at the advice that they give. Tanya, Omer Rebeliezer, Bo Urei Kami Gidoyla Koichoshobusha. Says the Gemara, taking us back to Kamsu Bar Kamsa. Without going through the whole story, the Gemara tells us, Akamsu Bar Kamsa Chorvi Yushalayim. Because of Kamsa and Bar Kamsa, Yushalayim was destroyed. What was the story? We all know the story that there were two people, one named Kamsa, one named Bar Kamsa. There was a Balsuda whose name is not even mentioned in the Gemara. He makes a party and the emails get mixed up. And he, instead of inviting his best friend, he ends up inviting his arch enemy. And his enemy shows up to the party and the Balsuda kicks him out with such embarrassment and none of the rabbis get involved and he then goes and tattles to the Roman government and ultimately leads to the Chorbin. Says the Gemara, Bo go and see, How powerful is embarrassing someone? Because helped. To burn his house down, to destroy his heichal all over Busha. So why is Busha Taka so important? Why is it so powerful? So the Mepharshim point out, because when you hurt someone, you embarrass him, you attack his, his neshama, his, his tzelem alikim, his essence. That's the most important part of a Jew. So when you embarrass a Jew, you hit his body, his body, you punch a guy in the face, you break his arm, his arm is not who he is. Because you know what? After he dies, he doesn't have an arm anymore. But his essence, his tzelem alikim, his neshama, that's what you hurt when you embarrass him. And therefore, when a person gets embarrassed, it's a terrible thing. And therefore, busha, the busha that, that the, the Bakamsa experienced, HaGadosh Baruch Hu went along with it. So the Mepharshim say, I thought the Jewish people did Averis. So they say it was a combination of factors. HaGadosh Baruch Hu allowed the Chorban to happen part and parcel because of the busha that Bakamsa experienced. We have to be so careful about embarrassing another Jew, the terrible impact that it could have. The Gemara continues, and Gemara tells us another story. The city Tormalka was destroyed because of a male chicken and a female chicken. You can't get weirder sounding than that. The Gemara says, because of chickens, the city of Tormalka was destroyed. Says the Gemara, why? The having Nihigi, there was a practice. When they would take out the chasna and the kala, when they walk down the aisle, get ready to get married, they would have a chicken, a male chicken and a female chicken, go ahead of the chasna and the kala. Now today when we have a chasna, we have everyone walk down the aisle, back then they would have chickens walk down the aisle before the chasna and the kala. Koima means to say, you should be fruitful and multiply like chickens. So I think the Masha explained because um, where does it say in the Pasuk um, Puruvu? It says it by Adam and it says it by Dogim and and the and the Oifos. So you're not going to have fish walk down the aisle. Maybe this is why you should have sushi at the Chasana, okay? Sushi is, is the fish. But um, the Masha writes that Gever, we know that a human is very similar to a chicken. The word Gever is the same word used for a chicken, which is why we use a, a chicken for Kaparis. So the Gemara says that they used to have these two chickens run down the aisle to be symbolic for Pururavu. Now we all know, we mentioned this many times, that the one time in Jewish life we were overly symbolic is weddings. Weddings has a lot of symbolism. We get married under, this, under the star, under the moon. We do a lot of symbolic things when it comes to weddings, specifically to be a good omen, to be a good mazel. So they used to have these two chickens 
you know, now it's hard to imagine it. These two chickens running down in front of the chas and the cow. Fine. Yom Echad one day, Havikicholif Gunna Diraimi. One time that there was a chasana and a Roman and a Roman uh, soldier was there. Shaklinu Minayu. He grabbed the chickens. Nafli Alayu. The Jews jumped on him. The Jews attacked this soldier for trying to steal their chicken. Now, you have to ask yourself, it's just a chicken, right? So Mepharshim explained that they thought that what the, what the Romans were trying to do is they were trying to take away our Pru of Rivia. They thought that the Romans were trying to stop. By taking our chicken, they're going to stop our, our, uh, our simon, the Pru of Rivia. Why would the Romans want to do that? Because we know and we'll see that the Jewish people were large. And just like when the Jewish people were large in Mitzrayim, that was the beginning of the end. Too many Jews, we got to get rid of the Jews, there's too many of them. So the Jews maybe over, overreacted to this comment or this action, and they thought this was a, a, a direct attack on their, uh, on their uh, growth of the Jewish people. So they attacked the Roman soldier, and that did not end well. Says the Gemara, So the Romans, the Roman soldier who got attacked, he sent an email back to Rome, the Jewish people are revolting. Send in the troops. Also alive, they came and attacked the Jewish people. So, you could say that the Jews did it to themselves. Why did they make such a big deal? About a chicken. Okay. Could be. The Gemara tells us, you have to be careful with whatever you do because if you do things that uh, are not thought out, you can end up making rash and perhaps bad decisions. So, now Rome is... Uh, mad at, at Eretz Yisrael because the Jews are revolting. So the Gemara tells us a story. Says the Gemara, The Jews had a fellow named Bar Deroima. He was named Bar Deroima because he came from Derome. came from that part of Eretz Yisrael. He was able to jump a mill. A mill is approximately 3,000 feet, which I think, according to my mathematics, comes out to be about a half a mile. He could jump a half a mile. Even Michael Jordan couldn't jump that far. He could jump a half a mile. A half a mile, And when he would jump, he would kill the soldiers in his jumping. He was like, you know, Superman, Batman, and, you know, uh, uh, a ninja, all wrapped in one. So he was like the Jewish people's, you know, protection. He was like a one-man show, his bad dream. He was a Jew. Came from the Daroma, Eretz Yisrael. So he was like our, he was going to be our guy to defeat, to defeat the Romans. So the Gemara tells us, Shakli Kesel Letage. The Caesar took off his crown. Caesar was worried about this Bar Deremi. Ari put his crown on the ground. Amar, Caesar said, Riboine de Al Makule, the God of the entire world, Inichilach, if it's nice to you, do not allow my entire kingdom my entire empire to be taken down by one person. Can you imagine how depressing that would be? A powerful army like Rome to be brought down by one Jewish guy. One Jewish guy who has flying powers is going to take down an entire Roman power, powerful country. So Caesar davens to Hashem. It's amazing. Caesar davens to Hashem that the, this one Jew should not defeat the Jewish people. Says the Gemara... Actually, Puma the Bar 
a mistake came out from the mouth of our Bar Deremi, our superstar. He said something wrong. And he said, he said, Hashem, we don't need you when we go to war. We go to war, Hashem, we don't need you. We, we got this covered without you. Says the Gemara, David said the exact same thing in Tehillim. So why are you jumping on him? David, David didn't say it as a statement. David said it as a question. Can we go to war without Hashem? And Bardurimi said it as a statement. So the Marsha asks, how do we know that David put a question mark at the end of it? It's the same phrase. So Marsha says, because look at the content, the context of where this was written. David HaMelech said this in Tehillim and he was giving over the praises to how Hashem saved the Jewish people. So if he's praising HaKadosh Baruch, he wasn't saying it as a praise to himself, but rather he was saying it to a praise to Hashem. So this is always what, what is our downfall. When we think we're so smart and we're so talented and we're so powerful and we don't need Hashem, that's when we lose everything. And therefore, this Ber Duraymi made a colossal, colossal mistake. He thought that he doesn't need Hashem. He thought he could do it on his own. I saw some of Farshim want to make it a little better. They want to say that Avada, he wasn't saying, I don't need Hashem. He was saying that we could do this Apiteva. We don't need miracles. We can do this normally. We don't need Hashem's miracles. But either way, the Gemara learns that this was a colossal mistake. And the Gemara tells us what happens. Says the Gemara. Zog the Gemara, what happens? Oh, Allah Beis Akisa, he goes to the bathroom. Also, Darkanu, a snake comes, Shamte, the Karkashe, the Noch Nafshe. Snake comes, kills him. Gone, finished, done. His entire power is finished, he's done. And now the Jewish people have no more protection, no more superstars. Omar, Caesar said, Since a miracle happened, I'm going to let the Jewish people slide. I'm feeling pretty good. This Ben Deroim is out of the picture. I don't have to worry about him. He's not going to bring me down. You know what? I'll let the Jews slide. I'll let them go this time. So what happened? The Jews made a yomtif. The city was so re- rejoicing. They, they, just, they just survived a, a, a potential holocaust. They ate, they drank, they lit candles. There was so much light that you could see the, the ring, you could see the signet of the ring, whatever, uh, whatever uh, tzura was on the ring, you'd be able to see it from a mill away. Okay, that sounds good. Says the Gemara, Caesar said, What? The Jews think that they're, they're rejoicing because they think that I can't handle them. They think that they're stronger than me. He said, You know what? I'm going back to get them. Now just imagine the emotions of the Jewish people here. The up and down of their emotions. On one hand, they're anticipating that they're going to get killed. Then Caesar says no. Now Caesar says yes. Amravasi tlas mea alpe, three hundred thousand shlife saife ayilatur malka. Can you imagine three hundred thousand soldiers, Roman thugs, being entered into the city? The katlu be tilsa yoyme, the tilsa neilusa, and they went on a crusade 
Crusades is not, not the right term really, but they went on a killing spree for three days and for three nights. Now you can imagine the the damage that 300,000 blood-hungry, blood-thirsty, disgusting Roman soldiers can do on a town. But the question is, what did the Jewish people do wrong? They were celebrating being saved. Isn't that what we do every Yom Tif? We celebrate being saved. So the Mashal learns they were celebrating not being saved. They were celebrating that they thought that they were better or that they are stronger than Caesar. They weren't celebrating Hashem. They took, again, same mistake that we often make, that we take Hashem out of the equation. It's about us, our smartness and our great strength and our greatness. And our, No, no, it's not us, it's Hashem. They should have focused solely on HaKadosh Baruch. So the Gemara tells us even something, to me, even more amazing. The Gemara says, Ubahach kisa Tormalka was such a big city that the other side of the city had no idea what was going on. They were continuing to party. They didn't know that the other side of the city, their brothers were being annihilated, their brothers were being murdered. Lahavdil, in my mind, a little bit, this reminds me, let's say, during the Holocaust, it's not clear how much Hungarian Jews did or didn't know about the war, but for a good bulk, they weren't as aware of what the Polish and German Jews were suffering. They knew news did come in, about they knew. Not as extreme as the Gemara, but it's, it's something to think about, how you can have a, a Jews in a continent, here, Europe is a continent, this is a, a city, but here you have half a city totally unaware of what was happening in the other half of the city where Jews were being murdered and Jews were being killed. Gemara tells us, Apostle in Eicha, Bila Hashem, Hashem swallowed the Lechomo as Kol Neos Yaakov. And there was no Rachmanis on the on the Jews. This is 60, 10,000 cities. Now what is 60, 10,000 cities? 600,000 cities. Haramelech consisted of 600,000 cities. 600,000 And each of the 600,000 cities had 600,000 people in it. Now, what 600,000 times 600,000? If you do it on your calculator, I think you get E. But it comes out to be, I think in the billions, if I'm not mistaken. 600,000 times 600,000 is a whole heap load of Jews. That's how many people lived over here. Says the Gemara, more than that, but there was three cities that didn't have 600,000 people in them. Had it had double 600,000, which is 1.2 million people living in them. Eluhain, what are these cities that had 1.2 million Jews? Kfar Bish, Kfar Shechilayim, Kfar Dekharia. These three cities had a population of 1.2 million Jews. 600,000 times two. Says the Gemara, how do you get these names? Kfar Bish. How did the city get the name Kfar Bish? They would never give their house out to Orchim. They were anti Hachnosis Orchim people. <coughs> the Masha says, You had 1.2 people in the city and no one did Hachnosis Orchim? Can you imagine what statement that is about the city? A city as large as 1.2 million, you can't find five nice people. You can't find a hundred nice people. Not a one, the whole city, uh, such a large population of 1.2 million. And no one wanted to do chesed. 
Kvar Shechilayim. How does the city get the name Kvar Shechilayim? Shoyse Parnasosa Min Shechilayim. Their Parnasa was from Shechilayim, which was some form of a vegetable, some form of a yerek. And the last one says the Gemara Kvar Dechariyeh. It was called the village of Dechariyeh. Amr Eb Yoichiron, Shoyin Eshoseim, Yeledes Zecharim Tchila, Yeledes Nekeva Bachreinu. Because the women in that city would have a boy, then they'd have a girl, Upoisekes. And then they would stop having children. After they had their boy and girl, they would stop. But I saw an amazing pshat, a beautiful pshat, Apidrush. How to learn this Gemara. The Gemara says that, uh, Mepharshim say that Zohar, a male, represents Taira, and an Akeva represents Yira. So you know the famous Gemara Baba Basu, the Gemara Baba Basu says that a, a Bas first, if a person has a daughter first, it's a simon Lebanon. It's a simon that will have sons later. So they want to learn the Gemara like this. That Bas Tchila means if you first have Yerushalayim, then you'll have Bonim, then you'll have Taira. You first have to have Yerushalayim. After you have Yerushalayim, then you will be Zaychit to have Taira. And that was the mistake with the city. They wanted to have Zacha first, then the Keva. They wanted to have Taira, and then Yerushalayim. It doesn't work that way. You first have to have Yerushalayim. When a person has Yerushalayim, then he could be Zaychit to Taira. Let's just finish this little shtickle Gemara. The Gemara says over here, Ula says, Ula says, I went to these cities. These cities were teeny. They couldn't hold 600,000 reeds, let alone 600,000 people. What are you talking about? So the Tzaduki says, yeah, the Jews lied. They lied. They falsify the numbers. They lied. There's no 600,000 people living in these towns. The whole thing is bogus. Amr Aleh, he said, no. Eret Tzvi Ksif. The Pasuk says, in Yirmiya, Eret Tzvi. Right? Eret Tzvi is the name of Reb Tzvi Freymer Sefer, the Klozhigavr, we've spoken about in other years. Another one of the great tzaddikim we lost in, in the Holocaust, Reb Tzvi Freymer was murdered. <coughs> I believe him, Adanik. He named the Sefer Eret Tzvi. So the Eret Tzvi is compared to a Tzvi, a deer. Why? Because a, a deer can't hold its skin. Why Rashi explains that after a deer gets de-skinned, you can't put the skin back into the body because the skin shrinks. So to Eretz Yisrael, when, when we are living there, there's tons of space. But when we're not living in Eretz, Ula went there during, after the Chorban. We kicked off the land. The land shrunk. When we're on the land, when we're living like we're supposed to, Eretz Yisrael spreads. And the Mepharshim explained, this is a simon, this is a sign that Eretz Yisrael is tailor-made for us. Right? Everyone knows that if you have a shirt that only fits you, your shoes only fit you, tailor-made for you. Eretz Yisrael is tailor-made for us. However, says the Gemara, it's only when, when we are living during <coughs> the time of the Beis HaMikdash. When we're in the Beis HaMikdash, then Eretz Yisrael fits perfectly. It stretches. There's room for everyone. There's room for all. But Bizman Khurbani there's not, a room, not enough room for any of us because the Beis Amigdosh is not there. Eretz Yisrael shrinks. It no longer fits its proper size. Okay, we got a little further. We didn't get to everything. So if, uh, unfortunately, we have to have another Tishabot next year, Mitzvah Shem. Maybe we'll get to some of the other Gemaras that are found over here in Mitzvah's Gittin. Wishing everyone a wonderful evening. Have a good Shabbos. Mitzvah Shem. For those that want to listen to us on the Kinnis, we'll be on Zoom, we'll be in person. 
in my shul in Queens. If you want to listen, there'll be this exact same Zoom connection will be where you can listen to the Kinnis approximately 9.15 Sunday morning. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a wonderful evening.